With the power of Tandem HR, you are in the fast lane on Main Street with Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein, the show for business and jobs. Now, the champion of networking, the advocate of jobs, the guru of business, your host, Shalom Klein. We are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business and get a sneak peek of who is going to be on this show next week on my website at ShalomKlein.com. While you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information that you will not want to miss. It's a live show. You could call us at 312-642-5600, 312-642-5600. This week, we've got a jam-packed lineup of guests. We've got guests uh, Gary Patterson, the fiscal doctor, who's going to be joining us in just a moment. And I'll be sharing some comments on some IT security threats at the end of the program. So don't touch that dial, Chicago. You're listening to Get Down to Business. We're powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them at tandemhr.com or give them a call, 630-928-0510. Give them a call or check out their website for lots of tips, advice, and information. So first up on the program, I've got Gary Patterson, who is the fiscal doctor. He has an MBA from Stanford Graduate School of Business. He's the author of Stick Out Your Balance Sheet and Cough, Best Practices for Long-Term Business Health. Gary, welcome to Get Down to Business. Thanks for joining us. Well, looking forward to helping some of your clients today. I love to help small business and business of all sizes. Well, you've worked with a lot of companies from uh, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and uh, and certainly you've provided a high-level strategic guidance and expertise. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. Have you seen a common theme between businesses that are successful? And uh, follow-up that would be a common theme to businesses that don't make it and are not successful. Well, I listened to some of the shows, and I've got a three-top issue, which I'll relate to it. I'll, I'll do an overview, and then we'll dig, dig deeper wherever you want. I loved the $500 coffee yesterday, so I'm going to suggest for your listeners that the other version of that is what I call the 175-pound gorilla issue, meaning you should do something about it. It's something you should be able to see it if you couldn't see it. You've got to look, and when your people tell you about it, you've got to address it. The second one, I'm going to suggest that for most small and even up to about 30 to $50 million companies, after you grow larger, no one wants to do a good enough job on a six-month visibility on cash. I'm not saying six-month cash in the bank. I'm saying to know where your cash is, what's happening, and to get insight on how it changes your business. And the third, and it across from really entrepreneurs to whom revenue is a strange idea, uh, to larger companies, and for nonprofits even, because I know you do both. When you get to a certain size, and it's not that large, you've got to start putting a little more money into getting better and more accurate financial information. So, Gary, one of the... Any you like. Gary, one of the topics that I, I know you've uh, you've become an expert on is how to prevent bad things from happening to good companies. And so often entrepreneurs have such a fantastic idea, and perhaps they even have the passion um, to uh, to spread the word about that idea, but then they don't make it. 
what went wrong? Why do bad things happen to good companies? I'm going to go back to point number two, and because I've helped a lot of companies on this, and so people get they they spend more they spend money they don't have, or they spend money that they shouldn't spend. And here's why: when someone small, medium size, when you look at this and say, "Where is my visibility on cash? I have cash today. I'll sell things, and then." Cash will show up later. I'll spend things. When I get people to do a six-month visibility on cash, they get a lot of insights on their business. One person I got to do this came back, and two years later says, Gary, that's the difference. What he found the very first time he did it, the second quarter, he realized this guy did He basically uh, was in your general space. It was media. He did ads for people. In the summertime, he found out, you spend money from, you know, all summer long to get the next business for next year and no money comes in on these things. So if you don't have, if you don't squirrel away money, uh, on these things in April and May, you won't make it until September or October. And even though he was brilliant, even though the technology was there, until he started saving that six months knowing he had enough runway to get there, it was too easy for him to go out and spend five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars and wish he had it later. So that was a key in this case that he is good things continued to happen to a good company. That's the success story. That's great. We're chatting with Gary Patterson. Uh, you brand yourself as the fiscal doctor, and uh, clearly now uh, our listeners understand why uh, you are the fiscal doctor. Clearly, you're at, you're a strong advocate for uh, for uh, you are a CPA after all, and you are. Uh, a strong advocate for uh, monitoring your uh, your balance sheet and monitoring expenses. But, Gary, is there ever a point that people might go overboard where they might miss out on a good opportunity because they're not willing to take risk and because they're so focused at, at analyzing their their balance sheet, analyzing their P&L statements, and they, they, they won't take the opportunities that are being handed to them? I think you're talking about it comes around about every two or three years paralysis by analysis, some version. I mean, if you never took any risk, the story would be you just shouldn't even show up in the morning. Don't go down there and open the door and let anybody come in because, you know, if a customer comes in and they slip and fall or something happens, bad things could happen. You know, to carry it to the, uh, you know, to the extreme you don't do anything. You'll never make a mistake, but you'll you'll go out of business real quick. So yes, I agree. You've got to have a balance, and that's why I go back to it. The reason you got it, you have to know about where you are on cash. When you look at the cash, and you know you have visibility on cash, you also know, hey, I can make that five or ten thousand dollar investment because I've prepared for it. Now let me go out and spend it. And I know I can spend it. I can be comfortable I can spend it. It's easier to take a risk when you know your financial resources. And for small companies, and that's a lot of your listeners, it appears cash is king. Cash is emperor, I should say. And, and Gary, the same logic holds true, I believe, for big companies as well. Uh, they're also monitoring their cash situation. And before 
a large uh, Fortune 500 company is, uh, decides to acquire a new business, they're also taking those exact same steps. Obviously, there's a difference between a small business where uh, where a few hundred dollars might literally break the bank or not, um, but as opposed to a larger company where uh, the zeros at the end are many times that. But uh, Gary Patterson, um, you've got a, a lot of information to share uh, so uh, we, we're we're quickly running out of time, but I want to see if we could squeeze you for just a little bit more uh, tips and advice. What is the one thing that you think a small business owner should be doing, aside for analyzing their financial statements when they go to the office tomorrow morning? What is the one thing that they can do that potentially will be a game changer in their small business operations? Right now, take a minute and say, what is the one issue I should do and I don't want to do? Been putting it off for the longest time, the 175-pound gorilla, because you don't like to do it, but no, you should. Do that one thing tomorrow morning, and it's going to be different for everybody on this call. That's great. That's that's fantastic. And we all know as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we all know that there is that thing that exists that we've been pushing off, pushing off, pushing off. And uh, as I tell uh, people that I speak to all the time, uh, it never gets any easier tomorrow. So, But in this case, it is Sunday evening. Tomorrow morning, you can uh, jump in and you can make an impact. So uh, Gary Patterson, the fiscal doctor, um, you've written a lot on a number of subjects. And we want to make sure our listeners have the opportunity to find your books, find out some uh, more about the uh, topics like how to prevent bad things from happening to good companies and uh, about, again, analyzing financial statements, uh, reporting, and and, uh, cash is king, as you said. So, Gary, where can people learn more about your your speaking and your writing? If they go to fiscaldoctor.com, F-I-S-C-A-L-D-O-C-T-O-R.com, uh, the information is there, and there is a free ebook that I think they're going to like, which is a chapter from Stick Out Your Balance Sheet called The Five Areas Where Risk Can Lurk, The Five Most Common Mistakes to Avoid When You're Growing Your Business. Once free. again, Gary Patterson, you can find out more about him and uh, download a free copy of that ebook at fiscaldoctor.com, fiscaldoctor.com. And, uh, Gary, we appreciate you joining us on the program, and we'll be sure to uh, check back in with you for more uh, tips, advice, and information. After all, you are listening to Get Down to Business, the show that's all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And uh, coming up after the break, I've got Chef Laura Frankel, who's going to tell us a little bit about what it means to wine and dine in business. Once again, uh, you're listening to Get Down to Business, the show that's all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship you could get on my website shalomkline.com that's where you could download podcasts from this program and find out who's going to be on next week don't touch that dial chicago we've got a lot more tips advice information we're powered by tandem hr check them out tandemhr.com we'll be right back stuck in traffic we've got the answer from the north state's steel traffic center Back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. And I'm joined uh, on the phone by Chef Laura Frankel, who is a noted chef and the owner of Pickled Tongue Catering and Foods. And uh, most recently, uh, Laura served as the executive chef at Wolfgang Puck Kosher Catering at Spurtis Institute in Chicago. Uh, Laura has written a number of fantastic books and uh, is truly an expert on everything food, but uh, we're going to stretch those limits today and talk about the connection between food and business. Laura, welcome to Get Down to Business. 
Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Laura, let's jump right into it. Uh, Why do business people wine and dine colleagues? Does it really work to close a deal? I think it does. I think business these days... Um, and has always been done over a handshake, a warm meal, a smile, um, more so than, you know, uh, tapping a keyboard and just pushing send. And um, there's nothing that breaks the, any tension and barriers than a great meal shared together and, you know, all kinds of tensions are released and, and it's just a great way to close a deal or make some new friends. Well. You have watched uh, many uh, business transactions and many uh, community events and organizations um, all surrounded by food. Uh, and you've probably seen the best of moments uh, mm-hmm. and, and seen uh, many, uh, many names that many of our listeners would recognize enjoying many of your culinary delights. But you've probably also seen some embarrassing moments as well where, uh, where food uh, scenarios may not have gone as smoothly as possible. So maybe a little bit of tips or advice for our listeners when they go out to eat with a business colleague. What are the best things to order and maybe the things to avoid? Well, I think when you're when you're dining out, your host kind of sets the pace for the meal, and you should look to that person for what to order. You don't want to be the the person ordering the most expensive steak on the menu when your boss just came in for, or when your client, the person you're trying to close the deal with, just came in and, and got a salad. Um, so you kind of want to get around that by saying, well, you know, this menu looks so delicious. I've never been here before. What do you recommend? And what that does is it kind of lets um, lets it be known what we're going to order, how we're going to eat, and, and the meal and how it's going to flow. Are we going to have cocktails first, then order wine, or what we're going to do? And you don't want to be the guy or gal ordering the most expensive thing or just not eating enough because just a salad doesn't look like you're having a good time either. Uh, that's That's very true. And you've cooked for many dignitaries, including... Barack Obama, when he was a presidential candidate, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, Michael Bloomberg, Senator Joseph Lieberman, Al Gore, Gorbachev, President Bush, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Steven Spielberg, Senator Hillary Clinton, Ivanka Trump, and many, many others. Has anything about any of those names that I just mentioned surprised you about their eating habits? Um, I, I learned a lot of things about people's eating habits, and um, one of the people that you named can only eat soft food because they have bad teeth, um, and I don't want to say who that is. <laughs> well, I understand um, there's a chef, uh, chef and, and eating uh, privileges uh, that we yeah. wouldn't want to uh, disclose on this program. Right, and um, I fed one uh, former music star um, in, a, in my New York restaurant, and he let his kids jump up and down on the uh, on the banquets on the seating. So you know, you never know what goes in in a business setting and, and in a restaurant. But I, I think uh, eating is is such a great way to to break barriers down and to just have a good time and to relax and everyone paces themselves and you know you, you don't want to be the first person done eating or the last person you kind of want to pace it and pay attention to what's going on and just smile and have a good time well, i want to get back to the tips in a moment but uh i know you are a passionate farmers market uh advocate and that goes to uh, a lot about what this show is all about small business and supporting local economies uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've seen and and the people that you've met and and perhaps why it's important or maybe why it's it's even just a a, a good idea to to go shopping at, at a local market like that. Yeah, 
I, I am passionate about it, and I think a local market does speak to exactly what is in season, exactly where you are. So if it's, you know, July or almost July in Chicago, we're eating strawberries and broccoli and these gorgeous onions and things you, you don't normally see in the grocery store. So you're going to eat a wider variety of what's in season. Um, and the farmers, the reason I like these farmers is you're looking at that that chain of, of where the food comes from, and you're directly at the top of it. So you can look the guy in the eye, and he's not spraying his strawberries with every pesticide and herbicide on the planet. And you're you're making a contact with a human being, and you're feeding your family and those that you love, so you want to make sure the foods are quality and, and the highest level that it possibly can be. And then the food itself is just so much amazing, so much more amazing than what you buy at the grocery store. The berries smell like berries and perfume and jamminess, and they're just so delicious. And you just don't get that when you buy something out of a little plastic container. Uh, very true. Once again, we're chatting with Laura Frankel, a noted chef and the author of many books. Laura, tell us about uh, some of your recent uh, writings and and uh, where they've been published, and uh, what is uh, what is mentioned in in those uh, publications. Um, my two cookbooks, uh, Jewish Slow Cooker and Jewish Cooking for All Seasons, were recently re- recently republished by a local publisher here in uh, the Chicago area called Agate Publishing, and they're both doing very well. The Slow Cooker book, I think, is probably one of the most versatile books. It's not just for winter when the weather is cold, though that's perfect, and people kind of envision that. But, you know, right now when it's super hot here in Chicago, your slow cooker isn't eating up, heating up your whole house. It's just kind of the self-contained unit and could be cooking you the most amazing brisket to have, like, barbecued brisket sandwiches outside for the upcoming Fourth of July um, holiday or any of your summer dishes. Um, I'm also working on another book that has to do with everything from scratch, no bottles and prepared sauces and stuff, and I think a lot of us have forgotten how to cook from scratch if we ever really knew, and uh, and I think you lose something when you um, shop out your, your, your food products, when you let somebody else do all the work, you lose that integrity and, and to know where your ingredients come from. Very true. Uh, Laura, your books are available uh, on Amazon, and of course, we'll make sure that we share your website before the end of the segment. Um, but you have three children, uh, and uh, my understanding is that they all love to cook and enjoy great food. Uh, tell us, uh, do you have any differences of opinion when it comes to uh, when it comes to the kitchen with your with the rest of your family? Yeah, we we have our family likes and dislikes, and. Um... You know, one of my, my kids all love my macaroni and cheese, and it's funny because they're all adult kids, but that's kind of a staple and a standard, and we all fight over whether it should have the crispy breadcrumb topping on it. And I vote that it does, and some vote that it doesn't, and we go back and forth, so I've kind of done like a pizza and go half. Um, <laughs> but my kids uh, are food snobs, and I think uh, it, it is definitely I, I turned them that way. So now my, I, I'm on the spot all the time, too. Fantastic. Well, believe it or not, next week is uh, July 4th weekend, and so I just want to leave our listeners with perhaps a little bit of uh, tips and advice from you. Uh, people off likely will be barbecuing or, or grilling, um, but uh, along with the, uh, the meat uh, perhaps comes some side dishes. Any recommendations of what, uh, what some of our listeners can be serving at maybe their July 4th uh, dinner that they might be serving? Yeah, um, I always like to say that when you're serving like a hot entree, to make sure you do one or two cold side dishes. And it makes 
life so much easier when you're not trying to uh, keep everything hot and at one temperature. And you, you, most kitchens in, in the home are not suited for all of that. So I always like to do cold side dishes, and this time of year is perfect. Do like a great potato salad. So pick up some great potatoes at the farmer's market, and they just taste that much more earthy and creamy and wonderful. And make a, a simple, beautiful potato salad and maybe a, a lovely vegetable salad to go with it. And then rock out your brisket or your short ribs or whatever you're making and well, have fun with it. Well, now we understand why you are such an award-winning chef. You've uh, been honored at a number of uh, uh, of great cooking shows and, and again, award-winning author of many books. Um, Laura, what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about your your writings as well as learn more about uh, about your your cooking and and catering. Uh, my books are available on Amazon, and you can find out more about me at chefloraskosher dot com. Fantastic, and I know you're also available on Facebook and on Twitter, so I encourage our listeners to check that out. And uh, Laura, frankly, we appreciate uh, those tips. And as Laura said, uh, dining and wining and dining is a great uh, great way to close your next business deal. And we only talked about the dining piece, but uh, perhaps, Laura, next time we'll talk a little bit about the whining as well. My pleasure. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Laura Frankel, uh, after the break, we are going to be chatting with Mike Hale, um, who is a scout executive. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about young leadership. We're going to be talking about uh, cultivating the next generation. And I'm really excited about the topic. So don't touch that dial, Chicago. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can download podcasts at shalomkline.com. Get down to business once again, powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them online at tandemhr.com. Mike Hale and Michelle Bauman will join us after the break. Don't touch that dial. Uh, It finally feels like summertime in Chicago. The weather is warm, but the news? Solution center. You can find them at tandemhr.com or give them a call 630-928-0510. So I'm joined here in studio by Mike Hale and Michelle Bauman. Mike is a scout executive for Boy Scouting of America, and Michelle Bauman, who's uh, a volunteer on the membership committee, I understand. And both of you are quite passionate about uh, scouting. And as I understand, for good reason, because you are really helping shape uh, future generations, which is really, really exciting. So welcome to Get Down to Business. Well, thank you very much for having us. Absolutely. So, Mike, uh, tell us a little bit for our listeners that don't know much about Boy Scouts of America, what you guys do. Well, so when people think about scouting, they think about the outdoors. Well, way more than that. Uh, We use the outdoors as a laboratory to do a lot of camping, uh, but we're all about leadership, developing young leaders, uh, developing uh, good citizens, uh, developing... uh, uh, good role models, and so uh, scouting has been around for over 100 years, and we plan on being around a long time, and uh, we we work real hard to stay relevant in today's society, uh, work real hard on developing uh, uh, young scientists and mathematicians through our STEM program, uh, but uh, you know, we, we think we do a lot, and uh, uh, a lot for the parents, a lot for the of the fabric of the community, and we well, Mike, everybody has a uh, everybody has a story of why they're involved in something. Why did you get involved in scouting? I've been in scouting my whole life. It's uh, an avocation that uh, it is hard to explain. Uh, it's something that I've seen the value. I saw the value with my family uh, when I was growing up. I see the value with my kids. Uh, both my sons were involved in scouting. Both my daughters are involved in venture scouting, which is a co-ed program. 
And so you see them growing up. You see them developing uh, great traits that uh, hopefully last a lifetime. Uh, Michelle, uh, I mentioned uh, Michelle Bauman is uh, is a volunteer involved in uh, in scouting. And as I understand, you're a mom, and your children are involved in scouting as well. Uh, I'll follow up with that question to Mike. Uh, what, what did you see in scouting that uh, that convinced you that it's a good use of the of <laughs> I, I I can imagine as a mom, you're running from place to place and running from uh, from activity to activity. Why did you get your kids involved in scouting? Well, I got my kids involved because someone asked me to join scouting. They were telling me what an amazing program it is for my son, but also what it could do for a family. I never imagined that I'd be going camping with my son, that I would be doing all these amazing adventures with my family. My my whole family went camping. My whole family does these activities together. And I have a younger son, too. So he could not wait for his opportunity to be like his big brother. I cannot say how scouting has changed my life. It's just such an amazing program. Without scouting, I really don't know what my kids would be like. So I want to talk about the values. Um, You're both involved in the Northeast Illinois Council, and I know that there's a lot of opportunities for uh, kids uh, in in Northeastern Illinois to get involved in scouting. What are some of the values, Michelle, that you've seen your children come back with um, after an experience? Leadership, confidence, pride. To be able to do something they never thought they'd be able to do, even catching a fish. My oldest one caught the smallest fish at a Cub Scout um, fishing derby. He was so proud of himself. He caught a fish. Might not have been the biggest fish, but it was the smallest fish. <laughs> Better it's, than I could do, that's for sure. <laughs> scouting teaches them confidence. It's not always about being number one. It's doing the best that you possibly can, and I've seen that in my kids. My oldest one, he's an Eagle Scout, and he's worked his way to that. And my other son, he just loves scouting for what it has to offer. Not everyone's going to become an Eagle Scout, but what he is learning is going to stay with him forever. I am so proud of my boys, of what scouting has done, but it's changed me. That's fantastic. It really has. And I know I've seen a lot of pictures over the past few months and years of of scouting uh, scouting. Uh, groups or chapters, you'll have to educate me on the terminology, uh, visiting at the White House and and, and, and getting uh, some very prominent attention. I have to assume that's for good reason. Scout, scouts turn out to be uh, fantastic leaders in the community. Can uh, Mike, do you mind giving us some examples of, I guess, some of your uh, some of your scouts that have gone on to do great things? So the BSA has done quite a few studies recently on the values of scouting to young men and women in the country. And uh, uh, those studies have shown that uh, uh, scouts that remain in the program three to five years become better parents, uh, become uh, uh, you know, more interested in their faith, become uh, college graduates, successful in their careers. Uh, many examples uh, of, uh, of scouts that have gone on to do some incredible things uh, Steven Spielberg's an Eagle Scout. Uh, uh, about three fourths of FBI agents are Eagle Scouts. Amazing. Many astronauts are Eagle Scouts, and uh, uh, many governmental leaders have gone on to become Eagle Scouts, and then became interested in government through scouting. Well, clearly, many uh, many of the uh, children in in northeastern Illinois are in very very good company. 
Um, and uh, Mike and Michelle, I want to make sure we, uh, we we have so much more to ask you and so uh, so much more that, that we need to learn uh, together. So, uh, Chicago, don't touch that dollar. We're going to be uh, joined once again by Mike Hale and Michelle Bauman uh, talking about scouting, Boy Scouts of America. Uh, and uh, we just heard from Mike uh, a little bit about some of the examples. Steven Spielberg was a scout. FBI agents are, are were scouts. Uh, you're in very good company. So once again, don't sh- touch that dial. You're listening to Get Down to Business. After the break, we're going to talk some more about Boy Scouting of America. Stuck in traffic. Hey, back on Get Down to Business. We are chatting with Mike Hale and Michelle Bauman, who are involved in the Northeast Illinois Council of Boy Scouting of America. Uh, Mike, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you were just telling us about some of the notable alumni. Uh, tell us what the council looks like uh, here in Northeastern Illinois. How many, uh, how many kids do you have involved? Well, in the metro area, there's uh, over 40,000 scouts that are involved currently and another uh, ten to 20,000 volunteers. So it's, it's no small organization in the Chicago metro area. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're very popular in many of the communities that we serve, uh, and uh, we certainly want to grow. Fantastic. And I know uh, Boy Scouts of America, you're uh, across the country, you're one of the largest and most prominent values-based youth development organizations, which is important. And uh, clearly from some of our uh, chitter-chatter over here in studio, understand why uh, you're really teaching uh, young uh Boys, uh, some some very important uh, skills and very important values. Um, so, uh, tell us a little bit about how. Uh, let's talk about the the kids first. What is it? What does it mean to get involved and become a scout? What's the process? What does it look like? So, when parents sign up their young man or or, uh, or their young uh, son or daughter for scouting, they probably don't know quite what they're in for. They're not in just for what night of the week and how much does it cost? They're really in for hopefully a lifelong journey. That's how we uh, like to view it. Uh, the uh, The mission of our organization is to teach uh, values that last a lifetime and instill those values over the course of time. And the longer we keep them in, the longer uh, or, or the, the more and the deeper we instill those values. So it's easy to sign up for scouting. Uh, they go to uh, a parent can go in several ways, uh, so to go to uh, BeAScout.org, and they'll find a uh, local pack or troop in their community, a pack if it's a Cub Scout, a troop if it's an older uh, boy, uh, or uh, we've got a co-ed program called Venturing uh, for young women starting at 14 years of age, and they can sign up for that too at BeAScout.org. They can find out where to sign up. Uh, they can also contact our service center at 847 847- Four three three one eight one three. That's eight four seven four three three one eight one three, and we can direct them to uh, uh, the local pack or troop. There are several scout offices in a, in the metro area, but we can cer- certainly help direct them. That's great, uh, Michelle Bauman. Once again, is uh, joining us here in studio, and Michelle, you're you're quite an active volunteer involved in scouting. Uh, how? Tell us a little bit about the adult experience you're involved in. Obviously, uh, kudos to you for getting involved and not just having your kids signed up, which, as Michael just mentioned, is an experience for life. Um, and that's that's important enough that you that you took the initiative and you you got your kids involved. 
but you agreed to step up and get involved in the council and and volunteer some some of your valuable time. Tell us a little bit about that experience and uh, assuming you recommend it for others, tell us tell us how people can get involved. I definitely recommend getting involved. Um, I actually started out at, in the Cub Scout level. I became a, an assistant Cub Master, which helped runs the whole pack, which is a group of boys and their families. Um, honestly, when someone asked me, I was in shock. I didn't think that I was able to lead a family, lead a, a pack of, of of Cub Scouts and do activities, but it was probably one of the most positive experiences of my life because they showed me that I could be a leader, that I have skills that I never realized I have. Um, so I would stand in front of the pack once a month and I would do activities with them and get them really excited, something that I'm really good at. But there were other people who want to do things behind the scene. The pure people who are our merit badge counselors, they have a skill whether it's photography, science, whatever somebody has, there's a program for them to get involved and volunteer. So if you want to be a part of scouting with your family, please look into volunteering. You don't have to, but I promise you, you will get so much more out of scouting, and so will your family. I am now on the console level, but I did not start there. So, Michelle, you're you're quite involved. You got involved uh, on the, again, you, you were a scout, you were a... a, a. I'm trying to learn the terminology. Assistant Cub Master uh, first. Assistant Cub Master. Now you're on the council level, which is fantastic. Tell us uh, what the coolest experience and the thing that you learned that was the neatest. And again, I'm, I'm using these terms cool and neat. That's probably not the, the greatest of terminology. But tell us about some of the things that you've learned in being involved in scouting. I believe that people will support you with whatever kind of ideas you have, whether you're an adult or whether you are a boy or um, a girl. For example, I had an idea to send to set a Guinness Book of World's Record of the longest Pinewood Derby track ever built out of wood. And you know something? I had this crazy idea, and people believed me and supported me. That's fantastic. And we built a track. Um Boys, if they have an idea for a service project, why not do it? Um, To become an Eagle Scout, you have to do a service project, give back to the community. And some of these projects that these kids do, that they build, that they make a difference in people's lives. um, The values of scouting, there's nothing quite like it, huh? Nothing. (laughs) Amazing. I'm just telling you that everybody will support you if you want to That's join great. scouting and if you don't ha- you know if you don't have a, f- a father if you don't have a mother it there's somebody there that's also going to help give your son or daughter some value Michelle we're out of time but I want to make sure our listeners can find uh, both you and Mike and and get involved Mike one more time what's the phone number uh, that people can call the phone number is 847-433-1813 or beascout.org scout.org. Fantastic. Fantastic. Keep up the great work. I'll look forward to checking in with you, continuing the discussion about the values of scouting. Once again, Mike Hale, Michelle Bauman, uh, involved in the Northeast Illinois Council of Boy Scouts of America. We appreciate you joining us and get down to business. After the break, I've got more tips, advice, and information for you, so you won't want to touch that dollar. We're powered by Tandem HR. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Or Lift17.com. Lift17.com. You can find out about all of my events at ShalomKlein.com. And now it's time for a business tip of the week, which can be heard daily on the morning show at 7.30 a.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. I recently read a fantastic article at Entrepreneur.com 
which talks a little bit about some of the uh, the administrative tasks that small business owners and entrepreneurs get involved in. Uh, we know that startups are notoriously weak and in a vulnerable position because the slightest change can send uh, send these business owners into a tailspin. But breaking free from the pack isn't an easy task. It requires focus. You should always concentrate on producing something meaningful that sells. And you also really need to stop trying to do everything by yourself. Let me talk uh, a little bit about that. When you try to do everything by yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. You put 100% into every little aspect of your business. It's impossible to do this every single day. You're not a robot after all. And you went into business to uh, sell XYZ product, to deliver XYZ service. You can't do it all. The article at entrepreneur.com uh, recommends hiring a PEO. PEO stands for Professional Employer Organization. Think of these as uh, the guardian of your business. They'll handle all of the administrative entanglements, which lets you get back to doing what you do best, while the PEO handles a lot of the administrative tasks like benefits and payroll. And it will actually make you a more attractive place to work. You can offer benefits um, that you otherwise would not have access to, and you'll never run into problems with the IRS or state uh, state taxes uh, because you'll have, uh, once again, that team of professionals. Uh, the article continues on and talks a little bit about the values of technology, using the cloud, and outsourcing your sales um, team, and uh, figuring out what your talent is. Once again, this article recommends breaking free from the pack. Uh, it embraces outsourcing, which is something we've talked a lot about here on Get Down to Business. Uh, just another uh, tip or two for you, uh, businesses these days, I got an article, uh, an, uh, an email actually from the Attorney General of the state of Illinois. I don't think it was a personal email. I don't think Lisa Madigan contacted me personally, although I would be honored if she would. Um, and uh, what she said in her email was uh, about identity theft. Identity theft is something that all business owners, all individuals, regardless whether you live in the state of Illinois, we are not unique in that area um, here in Illinois, um, are facing the threat of uh, identity theft, and you need to take precautions. But in particular, I want to talk about these security threats. Make sure you understand the vulnerabilities of your business. Make sure you're taking protective measures. Make sure you have firewalls, anti-spyware, antivirus programs. There's different level of protections um, that are available. And again, for small business owners, I realize that you might not have the bandwidth uh, to protect yourself in the same way that uh, many of the large banks uh, do. But regardless, you're not uh, you're not immune from the threats. Opt for the updated security programs, the ones that send you the updates every single day. They will make sure that you're protected from all of the new threats. And uh, often this will be an automatic process. And ensure you have uh, protection on your wireless networks, especially if you're running a retail operation. You might want to have a guest network and an internal network. So once again, uh, hopefully uh, these tips are valuable for you as you get into business on Monday morning. Uh, today, uh, I learned a lot from our listeners, um, from our guests. We spoke with Gary Patterson, the fiscal doctor, about uh looking at your uh, balance sheets, looking at your financial statements and keeping an eye on those uh, in the interest of managing your business. We talked about whining and dining with Chef Laura Frankel. We chatted with Mike Hale and uh, Michelle Bauman about scouting and the values that scouting uh, brings to families and to communities and the leadership development. So uh, some great guests and some great information. 
As always, on Get Down to Business, next week uh, we will be continuing the conversation, providing you with more tips, advice, and information. Get Down to Business is powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them tandemhr.com or give them a call 630-928-0510 but again on their website they talk a lot about some of those tips that we shared here today about outsourcing so check them out tandemhr.com 630-928-0510 and as always you get on my website shalomkline.com where you can download podcasts and learn more about some of our guests that we had on here today to success let's get down to business we'll talk to you next week sunday at 6 p.m For the past 100 years, R.B. Hayward Company has been a leader in the Chicagoland HVAC.